This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to a Monday edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante. Let the games begin! Spring training games have been enthusiasm level is clearly higher than yours, Thomas. But so far, through three games, we've gotten to see basically all that we want to see out of spring training. We're not yet at the point where we're like, all right, regular season, clock's ticking. This is boring. It's all exciting. It's all new. And they're playing the kids so far. Uh, the opener on Saturday, you could have seen the Phillies broadcast on MLB TV. You could not have seen it anywhere else. The Yankees did not cover it, and that game was bad. But Glaber Torres looked pretty good. Uh, he was the regular that we sent over to Clearwater, Florida, to take some reps against the NL champion Phillies. But yesterday's doubleheader helped us out in myriad ways and was a lot more interesting to watch. The Yankees were able to send, uh, well, Jason Dominguez played in the first game. Uh, Anthony Volpe starred yesterday on the road in a minor league lineup. We sent to play the Toronto Blue Jays A-team. They whomped them. And then the Yankees won their home opener, Jose Trevino, Grand Slam. You already know that, but that's obviously not the most important Thing to come out of the weekend we're going to talk about everybody who's dazzled us so far at spring training only three games deep in the storylines we're keeping an eye on plus the pitch clock is all everybody else is talking about it has not gotten the yankees in a way that's aggravating yet but the boston red sox of course get to extra innings if this were a real game if this were real life they would have escaped a ninth inning bases loaded situation because the batter did not get set in time according to a robot countdown clock that's a little bit frustrating, but you know what? Rather you work out the kinks now than during the regular season. That said, if that happened to the Yankees in a regular season Red Sox game or got for a bit of postseason game, I would take my hat off my head, I would put it in my mouth, and I would eat it in one bite. Uh, make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with a mailbag question. We are more than happy to answer any of those. Love the reviews. You're dropping the star rating just rising, folks. That's what we love to see. Uh, outside of uh, somebody in December who said uh, we talked down to him. I don't know. I don't know who that was. Uh, we'll try not to do that, sir. Sure. But everybody else seems to be enjoying the content. Thanks for interacting. Thanks for being on the live stream along with us. And thanks for listening on all podcast platforms. We are going to be here every Monday and Thursday, 2 o'clock Eastern time. If you miss us, you can catch us, the audio feed on all those platforms. Or subscribe on YouTube to get the video content. Thomas Carinante, spring has sprung. So far, so good. For the boys, the results don't matter. But then when you win, you definitely are like, ha yeah, sick. We won. It's spring training. Uh, I don't know. I kind of feel that way. Probably shouldn't. But the kids so far are the story. Yeah, very nice to see um, Dominguez in that uh, that opener lineup. Didn't really expect that. That I don't. Know. For Yankee standards, it feels it feels aggressive. Um, so it was it, it was nice to see that that bit of a change there. Um, and then Volpe was in there day two. Um, I don't even know who's in there today. I didn't check the lineup, but um, they announced it 29 seconds ago. So oh, I can tell you, let's see. Uh, your leadoff man is IKF again. Look the home that. fans are going to love that. Uh, Bader in center, Oswaldo at third, Volpe at second. He's batting fifth. Uh, Willie Calhoun in the DH spot, batting second in the bottom of the lineup. Bowers, Florial, Rodolfo Duran, a catcher, of course. Who doesn't know Rodolfo Duran and Billy McKinney, old friend in right field. Cool. Um, that's fine with me. Uh, we got to see some of the young pitchers too. Greg Weiser got action. Um, Randy Vasquez got action. Um, uh, Clayton Beater got some action. Yeah. Um, somebody was tweeting about DJ Snelton and how he's going to be like the surprise guy. And he did 
didn't even get through an inning, gave up two hits, three walks. He was bad. Uh, yeah, uh, the, the surprise guy, I, some, if you're on the DJ Snelton bandwagon, then God bless. I, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like the easier one to peg is Nick Ramirez, the other lefty mm-hmm. who, uh, you know, 2.93 ERA last year at the minor league level, 55 and a third innings, 53 Ks, 1.16 whip uh, with Tacoma triple. He's been with the Padres. Uh, he's made stops in the majors uh, previously. Uh, didn't really succeed in those stops in the majors in 2021. 575 ERA in 13 games. But he came into the same game that Snelton pitched the opener, and yes. he looks much better. Uh, so he's 33. It's it's not like I'm, I'm not going to stand on a soapbox and be like, look, if Nick Ramirez doesn't go east with the big league Yankees, this team is making a huge mistake. I, I can't say that. But I would say – He's an easier pick to click than DJ Snelton, someone I, I barely am aware of. Yeah. And Brito. Brito started uh, yesterday's game against the Blue Jays. Two two innings, three hits, two strikeouts, no earned runs. So that's a good start for him, someone who we talked about as a fringe roster guy, um, uh, fringe uh, active roster guy. Um, so, uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of time left, but um, we also got Andres Chaparro's home run. That mm-hmm. was a missile. Um, Brandon Lockridge. Triple RBI triple. Uh, Elijah Dunham got two hits, I think, two for two for three with a walk. Um, I'm liking what I'm seeing from these younger guys, especially because it's a it's a very interesting, not interesting. It's just good. It's a very good combination of power, speed, um, athleticism, uh, specifically among Volpe, Dunham, uh, and Dominguez. Uh, you saw all those on display the last two days. I think that it's going to create a roster crunch discussion sooner rather than later. I don't think it's going to be at the onset of the season. I still think uh, Volpe will start the year in triple a. I think uh, Dominguez is going to start the year in double a. Um, we heard from Brendan Cuddy today that uh, Elijah Dunham is going to start the year at triple a probably, which I think is a great sign for what's to come with the left field situation. We'll get into that a little bit later, but I think the, this is, this is as encouraging as it's going to get. You have the, you have, Someone like Dominguez, who's dealt with the most ridiculous criticism since he's come up, some moron compared him to Mike Trout, and then that's been the discourse ever since he was 17 years old. It's not like there was even a skill comparison. No. I think it was literally just like, oh, man, literally. expensive guy who seems good. Like, the yeah. ceiling is Mike Trout. Yeah, I mean, no shit. The ceiling of everybody is Mike Trout. Like, And then you, you downgrade somebody from there. You probably don't say it right away. Yeah, especially for someone who's a teenager. He's played two full seasons, not even two full seasons. He's played one full season, and he's played one and a half seasons, pretty much, 57 games in his debut um, in 2021, and then like 110 last year, plus the Arizona Fall League, which I think was an additional 15 maybe, um, as a 19-year-old. Uh, helped the AA Somerset Patriots win a uh, championship, um, came around and kind of – uh, quieted all of the uh, issues uh, with his power. He The power wasn't there in year one. Um, you know, we had the funny, you know, the, the Randy Miller stuff about his hustle and his dedication and whatnot. Um, I think we saw him, we saw him lumber around the bases a number of times this past year. We've seen him make plays in the outfield. Um, so for him to homer in his second at bat of the spring, when there's already these expectations, when there's already this vacancy in left field, which everybody keeps talking about, and there are fans who want to see him in the opening day lineup. I think that's a little bit insane. I wouldn't be against it, but what's the rush? Again, what's the rush? You don't need 
everything settled on opening day. You let things shake out. You see who's emerging. You let your guys develop if they have the time. If things were a little bit more dire in New York, um, you know, had we maybe lost Aaron Judge in the offseason or Anthony Rizzo or something else happened where you saw the 2023 team taking a major step back from 2022, I would say, you know what, let's bring Volpe and Dominguez up and just say, fuck it, we'll see what happens. But we're not in that situation. So um, nonetheless, for him to do that at the onset, and that was an absolute bomb from the right side of the plate, which I believe is his weaker side um, uh, from an offensive standpoint, um, couldn't get off, couldn't do a better job of uh, de-escalating the pressure. That's the kind of that's the kind of uh, occurrence you need right in the beginning um, to cruise through spring, um, maybe even expedite your situation in the minors. Maybe the Yankees say, you know what, we'll throw him at double A for a month. If he does okay there after showing us that he was able to hang with the big leaders in the spring, we'll get him to triple A by mid-May. And then when rosters expand in September, maybe we'll, we'll bring him up too. So um, I think, I think we're looking at a very good situation here and there are plenty of reasons to be optimistic as we move forward over the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Dominguez hit, a, you know, just like a very, uh, the kind of rocket that prospects on other teams hit. Yeah. Like how often does Dominguez, one of the most vaunted prospects come up, play for the Yankees in the first spring training game and just like destroy a game tying home run in the destroy. left field um, against obviously a, a non-entity, not, not a major, none of this matters. It's not like Dominguez is not going to be on the opening day roster because he homered off some mysterious left-hander that the Phillies threw out there in the spring training opener, but did not show up last fall in the Arizona fall league when all eyes were on him leads to all sorts of nonsensical narratives. Ah, he doesn't hunt the Randy Miller columns. Notice how the Randy Miller columns came out at the beginning of the year. He was getting his feet wet and then no Randy Miller columns uh, during the part of the season when he was learning high A on the fly (laughs) and hitting 450 with three homers to lead the Somerset Patriots to a double A championship radio silence in the Randy Miller department. And then all of a sudden, when all eyes are on him in the Arizona Fall League, the anonymous scout starts chirping again. Oh, he's you know, he's too big for his britches. He he doesn't. He's not earning it or whatever other nonsense. Like first, you tell him he's as talented as Mickey Mantle and Mike Trout. Then he shows he's probably not going to reach that absurd inner circle Hall of Fame level ceiling. And then it's like, oh, he's not working hard enough. It's like you, you already told him he's the natural talent of Mike Trout, and now he's got to work for. Like he's adjusting. All across the board, he was 16 when he first talked about him. Like, the thing I don't get with Dominguez is it's painfully obvious when you watch him that there's an incredible amount of talent there. I don't watch him and I go, I wish you were Mike Trout. I watch him and I look at the effortless power deep in the left center field seats on that home run uh, to announce himself. Uh, you know, I don't. I, this is not a major stage. This was not a game that counts in the standings. This was not a triple A. The level of competition at triple A is probably higher than level of competition in the fifth inning of the spring training opener. But how many Yankees prospects over the years would have just shown up in that scenario and hit a silencer into left field to uh, change the narrative and to make people think a little closely about, uh, you know, the, the left field vacancy for this year is very real. Uh, center field, if they don't come to an extension with Harrison Bader, is also going to be empty heading into next season. But Dunham and Dominguez and Austin Wells uh, and Spencer Jones, the Yankees are drafting names to fill these holes. Uh, So it might not happen this year, but it could easily happen in 2024 and beyond. And speaking of top prospects who 
showed up and showed out immediately Anthony Volpe. It's a shame this was a road game uh, and it took place in front of the Dunedin fans. Uh, or, or maybe that, that was a good thing because they got to get a taste. It's nice to give the Blue Jays fans a taste first. Uh, Toronto Blue Jays uh, apparently treating their first spring training battle with the Yankees as something beyond what it was. Vlad Jr. hit a two-run home run off uh, 31-year-old reliever Matt Bowman, who's trying to make a comeback to the bigs. Not a successful start to his journey. Vlad tattooed one and then got in the dugout and told everybody to shh put up the finger on his mouth telling everybody to shush uh, i don't know which of the haters told vlad jr that he couldn't hit a home run off a middling middle reliever in his early 30s uh during a sunday in dunedin but apparently if somebody did that then uh in their face you know they, they had no idea they, they didn't six know. of their nine starters too in this game yeah dalton varsho played didn't look good Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Jays uh, put everybody in this lineup. The Yankees literally sent a minor league lineup to Blue Jays camp, plus Josh Donaldson. It was a hilarious gesture, uh, whether that was on purpose <laughs> or not. I don't know if maybe Josh Donaldson, they just wanted to get him a standing ovation at Blue Jays camp where he once won the MVP, um, and it worked. The Blue Jays fans loved him. He also admitted uh, in a, a column that was published today that he didn't feel prepared for last season because of the lockout. Cool. It's Josh. Uh, we'll see if that comes into play this year. Probably not, because he actually did his best work at the beginning of last season. But I digress. He played, Dunham played, Anthony Volpe played. Uh, by the end of that game, Volpe was the story. Uh, he went two for four. He did ground into a play in his final at-bat. I don't have to talk about that. The other ones, 105-mile-an-hour line-out, no problem. Second at-bat, Nate Pearson comes in. He's on the comeback trail from injury, former Blue Jays' top prospect. Throwing 101 and he's elevating, and all the announcers are gushing about Nate Pearson. And then Anthony Volpe rips one in a right center. Uh, uh, the most classic-looking single you've ever seen. Right field so classic. caught up uh, for some reason. Uh, Miss Slow plays it in right field, like trips over his own feet or whatever, just kind of waits for the ball. By the time he gets it back into the infield, Volpe is not only safe at second, but he's sort of just lying on second base. Um, and I know Anthony Volpe's fast. And we talked about this on Twitter yesterday. We tweeted the video and said, how many of you knew Volpe was this fast? I think it's a fair question. I knew he stole 50 bases, which Brian Hope pointed out in the comments. It's his duty. He's got to, got to point that out in the Thanks, comments. Thanks, Brian. Uh, yeah, he did. He had homers, stole 50 bags last year. Andrew Jones. No one's done that in the minors since Andrew Jones. That's great. But it does. you don't know how fast Anthony Volpe is until you watch him turn a single with the slightest weird hesitation into borderline a stand-up double he dove in a second he probably didn't even have to that was incredible uh third ab gets a single again 
pitch out, steal second, he's safe. Again, not even close. Uh, not even close. It was a finely executed pitch out. Very next pitch takes off for third again. That is, we're going to talk about the pitch clock. That's another rule change that's going to benefit the game of baseball this year. Uh, in previous years, there would obviously be people walking around, uh, you know, batter stepping out. Now the pitcher is only allowed to throw two pickoff moves. If you try a third, you got to get him. Otherwise, he takes the base anyway. Uh, Volpe, uh, uh, with no regard for human life, trying to test the limits of that, takes second, takes third, back to back. So everything we've heard, I don't even think the scouting reports have done his electricity justice, and he looked unbelievable yesterday. Again, spring training game, it's nonsense. But if, if people are out there questioning the prospect pedigree and looking at the average and going, he hit 248 last year, double A, who cares? Like All you had to do is watch yesterday's game. It, should, it jumped off the page. Absolutely. I couldn't believe that he took second that easily on that hit to right field. Um, and those two stolen bases, like we said, not even close. The pitch out was hilarious. They, they were prepared for it. They knew it was coming. The throw, I, I don't even think the throw was on target, but even if it was a perfect throw, he was still in. Um, and yeah, I agree. I can't believe like we're sitting here and people were debating whether he would be a top 10 prospect in baseball at some point, because we saw a little bit of a decline from his huge ascension in 2021 off to 2022. when he struggled in the first two uh, months of the season. That's naturally going to happen with almost any prospect. So once again, it's, it's the whole expectation thing. It's the same thing with the Dominguez, Mike Trout comps. It's the same thing with everybody looking at this linearly. Oh, Anthony Volpe had a, you know, a rock star 2021 should be a rock star again in 2022 should actually even be, be better. And then should be forcing his way to a roster spot um, at the MLB level. Doesn't, doesn't work like that, but I was kind of shocked because we've only largely seen highlights of Volpe. We did, we have not watched games um, at the minor league level. Um, I have not attended a game in which he's, Oh no, we attended one game in which he's played. Um, I don't think he got on base that day. No, it was like his worst game. We went yeah. to uh, Somerset last summer, and I think he yeah. went like over three with a couple of Ks. And then we had to bolt because the train yeah. was coming. It was like it was probably the worst sample size you could get. Yeah, that was bad. Um, Austin Wells showed out that day. I remember that. But yeah, we were there the one day he didn't get on base. He made a couple of nice defensive plays, but you need to see somebody like that when they put the ball in play um, and are able. It's someone like him able to use his tools, use his speed, to use his instincts. Um, and watching it live in-game moment, I couldn't believe that he was that fast. Um, like we said, we saw clips from the minor leagues, but that's remember, that's the minor leagues too. Like that's go, It's going to look impressive, but you always take it with a grain of salt because you know the competition is lesser. Um, and someone like Volpe, who theoretically is lapping the field talent-wise, should be able to do that. Um, now you face the Blue Jays in a spring training game, it's his first appearance at spring training. The Blue Jays are playing six of their nine starters. And then um, who were the other backups in this game for them? It was like Rob, Rob Brantley was playing catcher for them. Is that right? Yeah, my guy. I mean, there's a dude on the Blue Jays who looks uh, ridiculous. I, I, we got to give them credit. They have a Zach Britton, too. Addison Barger, uh, who is a third base prospect. He hits left even yesterday and, and ripped. There, there's also a guy named LJ uh something who's <laughs> a prospect who had a free run shot in the fifth inning uh the, the blue jays have a lot of talent and, and they showed it off yesterday yeah uh so they had rob brantley a catcher zach Britton, zach with a with an h in right field starting um and then uh 
Kayvon Biggio at first base. So that's, I mean, even Brant, Brantley's played plenty of spring training games with the Yankees. Like this is, this is a fairly good lineup to play against and use your, show what you're made of. Volpe's first spring game does that against that type of major league lineup. Um, I, I'm, I'm liking it. I, I can't deny that that's, that that's impressive to me, the manner in which he, he kind of leaped onto the scene. And again, another person who is under a microscope, regardless if he wants to be or not, it's just the nature of the beast. Shortstop prospect, New York Yankees organization, clear vacancy and path to play shortstop. And um, you get off to a start like that at the beginning of spring, you have these highlight clips circulating on social media. You got people talking about you in a positive manner because of the the, the talents you were able to showcase right off the bat takes the pressure off. You have to, and it'll make his life a lot, make his life a lot easier probably to start the year in AAA. Um, he'll kind of have that confidence, which um, I'm sure will be even more advantageous. I know he's a confident guy and I know that he doesn't really waver on that front, but any type of support you can get from fans in general, or just discourse on social media, because we know how toxic it can usually be and it can affect um, players' mindsets the better it is. So I don't know when he's going to come up, um, but uh, the trajectory right now is looking fairly promising for, I think, June. I don't think that's crazy if he does, if he does everything correctly. Yeah. I mean, he's not going to crack the opening day roster. That's very obvious, but if he does what he did yesterday on a consistent basis, I'm not ruling out the 2018 Glaber Torres promotion, like having him up in April 25th, like, it depends on what the team looks like in April 2018. All these expectations, Giancarlo Stanton shows up, and it's the Red Sox who get out to an 18 and two start or whatever they do. And the Yankees are, you know, treading water at 500 ish, as they seem to do more Aprils than not. And then they're like, all right, we got to put, got to press that Glaber Torres button. And he was great. Like, it depends what we see in April from Volpe, what we see in March from Volpe, what we see in April from the rest of the Yankees. But I wouldn't be shocked with April 30th, May 1st, you know, somewhere in that territory, and June, July at the very latest. But he got his feet wet at AAA last year for a reason. Uh, now, let, let's talk a little bit about the home game, too. Just to shout out some dudes. Uh, we, we've skipped one game, basically, during this uh, spring training uh, weekend recap, and it's the game where they almost no-hit the Atlanta Braves. Now, yeah. the Braves lineup uh, was nothing special yesterday. Marcel Azuna found himself in there as the Josh Donaldson of the backup Braves lineup. Uh, pretty embarrassing. But uh, that doesn't take anything away from Clark Schmidt, who is firmly in this fifth starter race, who struck out five of the six batters he faced yesterday in a remarkably efficient start. And he's apparently got a new pitch to work with. So I think that matters as well. Uh, so take note of what you see from Clark Schmidt. Davey Garcia, someone that we wrote off, I think for good reason, obviously in his final chance to prove himself with this team was elevating 96 yesterday. Now I'm not going to get too optimistic about Davey Garcia. If there's anyone who's one spring training outing, I'm not going to overreact to it's Davey Garcia, but any bit of confidence from him is more interesting than anything we've seen in two years uh, since the end of 2020. So that's also a positive and Clayton beater finished out the game. Like we talked about Spencer Jones, Last year's first rounder also got some run. Didn't do much, but it was nice to see him get some big league time. He's on the bench tonight as well uh, at uh, the prime time game that will be started by Luis Severino. We have not seen a good chunk of the starters yet. Aaron Judge did a little work yesterday in the home opener. That was probably some fan service. Trevino hit a grand slam, as we said. No Stanton, no DJ, no Rizzo. 
Uh, not tonight either. Now I'm, I don't care. I'm not thirsty for that, but just noting those are the starters we have not seen. That uh, matters just as much as Isaiah Connor Falefa starting at shortstop tonight. Uh, that does not matter. He will not be leading off. He will probably not be your starting shortstop on opening day. I just want to take this opportunity to tell Yankee fans it's spring training. Chill on booing Aaron Hicks in some training. Yeah, come on. How about that? How about that? Uh, you know what? We, we've also, uh, it sounds ridiculous to say that we've been on the side of defending the boos in recent weeks and months. Uh, but we kind of have just because I, I would be lying if I said I'd never booed a Yankees player. I also don't think a, a, group, a bunch of aggrieved fans watching the ALCS drunk in the evening uh, are representative of a fan base that's like over the edge or over the line. And we can talk about isolated incidents at Fenway Park and all sorts of things. I think a lot of fan bases have done a lot worse than booing Aaron Judge in the ALCS. Uh, but I don't want to have to be the person who defends booze and whatnot. But you know what I won't defend? Aaron Hicks trying to get off to a fresh start this year and everybody booing him at home in spring training. What does that do? What does that do for anybody? Uh, not that Aaron Hicks, you know, you should be less for <laughs> I'm not going to tell that. I'm not going to say you broke his confidence. Hey, yeah, it's on you if he struggles this year because you booed him in spring training. But just be better than that. Like, you can boo him. makes a big out in the middle of an April game. Uh, and I'm not going to defend or comment on it because it won't matter. But don't do it at spring training in Florida. There's absolutely no point doing that. Yeah, and it was he didn't even do anything. He stepped into the batter's box. No, like, it was the first AP. Yeah, yeah if you're going to boo, which, yes, we've supported, which I will still support because it's part of life, uh, it has to be in response to something. Or, unless, you know, unless it's a player with a, a disturbing past that a team employs, which we've seen on a multitude of occasions throughout – throughout the last few years uh, you don't like to see those types of things but if it's somebody who's not good and is trying to get back on track in in the lowest you know in the lowest form of stakes here just let the guy play I was at spring training though before the world shut down in 2020 and Gary Sanchez struck out in a big spot against the Phillies in Tampa um, and he got booed Um, but at least he did something bad that deserved a boo Aaron Hicks walking up into the batter's box that does not warrant that type of behavior that's where we'll draw the line, I think. Um, still pro boo when the when the situation calls for it, but uh, that's that's where you start entering uh, very questionable territory in terms of you're actively trying to get in this player's head to make them worse for what reason? Um, there, that that's how you create more of that negative energy that we don't need. Um, Aaron Hicks, do I think he's going to be a big part of this team? Probably not. Is there a chance he could be? Sure. Rebounds happen all the time. They clearly want him involved in some capacity because of his salary or because of what they believe he might be able to unlock from a few years ago. Um, You can be pessimistic about that. That's fine. You could talk about how that's not really realistic. You could talk about how the Yankees are a little bit crazy for thinking that. Uh, but if they're putting him out there and they're trying to see that experiment through, don't boo the guy. Send Brian Cashman um, hate mail. Hmm. Uh, shoot him an email. Put some. Put some. Uh, help. Use the postal service. They'll, they'll, yeah. they'll drop your stuff right off at the front office. Um, no sense in doing this type of stuff. At the ver- you want Aaron Hicks to be good, don't you? Wouldn't it be great to have Aaron Hicks be good this year? I think it would be awesome. I, like I said, I'm not confident it's going to happen, which is a fine opinion to have, but. You don't start. You don't start on this foot right now, where you're trying to bring somebody down 
without the without the next chapter even beginning. That that's that's where people look at Yankees fans or just fans in general, and they think that it's amateur bush league, um, you know, entitled type behavior. And and I don't want to be associated with that either. And I think they're right. I think it is bush league and amateur and, and entitled behavior. I don't, I'm not a fan of Aaron Hicks um necessarily I, and i'm appreciative of what he did in 2017 and 2018 i don't think he's the right starting left fielder for a world series champion caliber yankee team almost kind of sort of this year uh but i'm not gonna not give him a chance i'm gonna let him get off to a start uh april games matter just as much as september games it's true but the corniest most frustrating person is the person who reminds you of that in the middle of September when you're up three games is like, oh, if only we could have not started Hicks those first two weeks when he hit 184, we might be in a better place. Okay, cool. Congrats on having watched the entire season. But like sometimes you do have to work things out at the beginning of the year. And you wouldn't be saying that if Hicks got off to a great start. Uh, so you're going to, I think, have to trust the New York Yankees on this one. And if Hicks is awful and they won't pull the plug, then yeah, we'll talk about it. But for now, I don't think you get to boo him walking to the plate in spring training, we, we tweeted about Volpe uh, showing off that speed, speed demon. And somebody said, uh, somebody in the comments, comments are all great, right? Everybody's like, oh, wow, he's fast. It's the, it's a very nice comment. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, very quick. And someone was like, no, you don't get to root for him because uh, fans like you cheered for IKF last year. I cheer, I cheer for anybody who's on the New York Yankees, uh, unless it's like a oldest Chapman, who jet like you said, generally did awful things, doesn't deserve to be on the roster. Life would have been better last year if IKF had been great. He wasn't. And life would be better going into this year if we knew we could trust him to put up XYZ or, or to hit with any semblance of power. But now we know and we can. And he's even a valuable utility man at this point. But uh yeah, I, I wanted him to succeed last year. So so what? We had no idea what was happening with him either. We he had a he had a good year in Texas. Not the, were, were we optimistic about him being the next full time shortstop? No, but we liked the profile. It was a good glove. It was, it was something that the team had been missing at that position for a couple of years. It was a contact bat to put in the nine hole, something that the team hasn't had in years. Um, and it did worked out for a little bit, and then it quickly went downhill. Um, and also, just because you root for somebody and they don't pan out, doesn't now. Uh, give somebody else the uh, power to gatekeep who you're allowed to root for in the future. That's, that's the craziest shit I've ever heard. You're not um, allowed to say Montas has been a bad acquisition and you're not allowed to yeah. root for Volpe because you were hoping IKF was better last year. Uh, that's Do I have my priorities straight? I think that's it. Um, yeah. Cool. Uh, let's talk pitch clock just because everybody is talking pitch clock. And I don't think yeah. we do a baseball podcast. Pitch clock, then Jake Paul. We got to hit the trending topics. Sure. I- I'll let you uh, cover Jake. I-, I, didn't watch- <laughs> I, didn't- I didn't watch Jake. I don't know what he was up to. Uh, I don't know if he went two for four in Dunedin. But, yeah, I'll let, I'll let you talk Jake Paul. Uh, uh, pitch clock so far, I think, obviously pretty good. Um, sure. The one uncomfortable moment was, of course, at the Red Sox game. As uh, the last guy on the Red Sox roster in the bullpen was blowing this uh, this horrific performance, uh, bases loaded, two outs, three two count, game tied. Uh, for some it reason, was 0-2. it was o two. Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought it was three two, and I went back and it changed it a little bit because that's probably why the guy was taking long to get in the box. But anyway, well, he was walking to first, so I think he thought it was a pitcher's violation, yeah. automatic ball. Uh, but I have no idea why he was going to first. I assumed it was three two, and he thought it was an automatic walk. But he got called out for not setting himself properly, and the game ended because spring training games can end in a tie. 
of course that happened to the Red Sox first. Of course it did. Uh, of course that that's natural, but uh, not a real game. Uh, we got to iron out the kinks. Somebody wrote basically uh, about why would you, uh, you know, if this is going to work, it's going to work because there was a zero tolerance policy early so that nobody backed into bad habits and they weren't letting a whole bunch of stuff slide in April, May, and at the end of the season because they let it slide in spring training. You iron this out now, you're harsh as hell. And cynically, when a Red Sox brave spring training game that nobody was watching outside of Boston and Atlanta anyway, ends on a rules violation pitch clock issue from the batter, that's going to open eyes. That's going to get people talking about baseball. That is going to get people talking about the rule adjustments and the potential impact they could have. And the worse it looks earlier on, the better people are going to think it looks later in the season. Because there's going to be a month that goes by without a crucial pitch clock violation that decides anything. And people are going to go, oh, nice. The players are getting the hang of it. Or, oh, nice. I was worried about that. And then it kind of went away and didn't affect my life at all. The two viral things that have circulated today, I think, are worth talking about. Uh, like Besides the huge flub, there's the TikTok of uh, Pedro Baez in the NLCS in Chicago throwing one pitch to uh, the Dodger, uh, the, to the Cubs. And it takes as long between pitches as it does for Jose Altuve to circle the bases five times. Uh, he hit an inside the park home run, and they synced that up with Pedro Baez just messing with timing during the game on the biggest stage. Like, this is a playoff game, and it's just endless time being sucked out of these at-bats. You watch baseball, and it's heyday in the 70s and 80s. This did not happen. Uh, Pitchers did not have endless time to prepare themselves, to get revved up, to go max effort on every pitch. In a way, the way bullpens work nowadays, they're too good. If you're the Houston Astros, you're able to stack six guys who throw 101 and can take as much time as they want between pitches and stomp around the mound and get to rock back and fire and max effort 100 mile an hour deliveries every time it's almost impossible for that group of people to blow a lead now we're maybe going to have an equalizer uh also uh houston we talked last week they wrote some column that basically implied all these rule changes were meant to target them specifically uh cry cry more it was extremely embarrassing uh but a houston radio host today just tweeted the other day he tweeted that jose altuve looked like he was thrown off by the pitch clock and was struggling mm. to get in time and today he just tweeted he's over three with three strikeouts and this is officially a red alert for jose altuve so if it's going to make astros fans and, and analysts and writers whine more then uh, i love it even more than i did this morning I love that. That's amazing. Um, it was a three-two count. I was reading the MLB app and it said O two. The MLB app was wrong. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm an idiot. No, or MLB's right. an idiot. MLB, just get it right. Just that's where I'm going for the information. Why would I go anywhere else? The MLB right. app, for some reason, during spring training, sometimes it only puts strikes up. It's very frustrating. Yeah. Obviously, and it skipped an inning. After. It skipped an inning on one of the feeds. Yeah. Very cool. I don't know. Um, but yeah, the, the, these pitch clock takes, it's, it's maddening. Um, everybody has an opinion after it, it, the four hours of implementation. Um, starting with that though, uh, obviously the game does need to speed up in some capacity. Um, if you follow the Dodgers at all, 
you would know that Pedro Baez is a laughing stock among that fan base because of how long he takes the pitch. When he left in free agency that year, the Astros, hey, so speaking of the Astros, they signed him to like a three-year, like $15 million deal or something, and they DFA'd him like two months into the season and then just paid all the money because they knew it wasn't worth it. Um, that type of that type of behavior is, is what forced us to reach this point, right? The game was different different back then. The game evolves, but – you have different generations come up playing different forms of the game. Um, and then we reach a point where it's gotten a little bit out of hand. Um, I love postseason baseball. Uh, I, it's probably my favorite playoffs to watch of any sport. Um, sometimes the games are interminable. Um, and uh, do I want necessarily one of these uh, types of um, super regulated uh whatever you call them in place to, to make sure people are following the rules. Not really. I don't want that, but we've reached a point where that probably needs to happen. Um, the, the games can't with, with the amount of stoppages you have with pitching changes, with mound visits, with all of that. Um, a lot of this comes in, comes into focus and you realize that it's also on the batter too. We've talked, remember Robinson Cano taking forever to get back in the batter's box. Mm-hmm. I saw some, old highlights of Nomar Garcia power redoing his gloves and bat and, you know, elbow pad after every single pitch whether he swung or not, there's literally no need for that. It's just stand in there, go. If there's a foul ball where you have to readjust yourself, that's fine. Or you swung out of your shoes and your helmet, whatever. Um, But it's become too nuanced to the point where everybody has their own, they have their own little quirks and they're, they have their own little processes and it's affecting the, the larger picture of it um just have some self-awareness because this is not just about you it's about the game the game's got to move people got to play we got to get to the end of it um it's unfortunate that now we have to have rob manfred doing this and it's an easy target for all the detractors and people who don't like him to laugh about this rule um and say that it's going to ruin baseball and this is going to happen in game seven of the nlcs when some when a batter forgets to get back in the box and they strike out with the bases loaded um uh, I think safe to say in case you've in case you haven't lived in society and have uh, realized how rules work, people eventually adapt to the rules. Um, we have rules of the road. You've all pretty much have understood those right since you were 17 years old. I think I think you got it. You know what a stop sign is. You know what a green light is. Um, and guess thing, what? Guess what? what? If somebody does get a crucial strike three called on them in the NLCS because they forgot what was going on and stepped out, your fault. Don't do that. It's, it's been it. all year at that point. Don't forget. It's a brain lock. It happens. J.R. Smith dribbled out the clock in a playoff game. And nobody was like, why was there a clock? They were like, J.R. Smith is an idiot. Like, if somebody steps out in the middle of a World Series game and the clock goes off on them, that's that's their fault. And they'll have to wear it. Yeah. I. That's the other thing, too. Like, you just you have to follow the protocols. Now there is a new protocol. We are putting it in place in spring training. It already went through for what? Did it start last year in the minors or they started implementing it two years ago in the Arizona fall league or something, either way, how, whatever it is, there has been a portion of the next generation of players who have already been accustomed to this. And those weren't, well, they're technically professionals, but they were, they were a step down. So they had to adapt to this. And now it's up to the people at the highest level, the players at the highest level to adjust and make sure that they're able um, uh, to adhere to the new rules. It, it's really not that complicated. They have six weeks or five weeks to, to make sure that they have it all under control before opening day on March 30th. We're all adults here, guys. We all know how to put our pants on. I think, I think it's more than doable in terms of the Astros stuff. 
it is funny because I did laugh at that column where the, the writer was like, oh, these are all designed to, to target the Astros and to stop them from their dominance. And IKF actually had a quote um, about the pitch clock uh, over the weekend. It was after the first game of spring training. And he said, quote, we're always going to be ready now. We love when uh, you love when guys work fast. We're not going to we're not going to be looking in our hats for the sign, because if you do, the ball is going to go by you. It's going to keep everybody locked in. You think about how the Astros were relaying signs. You think about how, hey, the Yankees were relaying signs too, folks, for all the haters out there. We're, uh, tune in. Tune in. We'll talk about that as well. For all the Apple watches the Yankees were losing to, uh, were using to relay signs, whatever it is that, that gets you going, um, you have to realize that that's also going to be stopped here um, because the pace is going to be quicker. There will be fewer delays where you can bang on a trash can or you know, fart into a megaphone to get that uh, sign relayed out to the batter. Um, that's what the Dodgers were doing, right? They were farting into, they the, were farting into the megaphone, yeah. Um, that's why the Astros were so mad because they were like, oh, dude, Cody Bellinger, shut up, man. We knew exactly what you were doing. Um, you were getting stoned and farting into that megaphone. Um, but now that I'm looking at it, it is funny because you think about the, the, the speed of the game increasing in that manner, and you're not going to have that delay. You're not going to have that luxury to decode signs, or even if you do, there might not be enough time to relay it to the batter. Um, so when you look at it that way, it's, it is kind of funny. Um, and the timing of it is also interesting because when do you really think the league found out about the Astros cheating? Cause it definitely wasn't 2020. They no. definitely found out in like 2018 and then, and then it reached the mainstream media on social media when John Boyd did that video. And then everybody kind of caught on and then MLB was like, all right, I guess we'll do an investigation now and we'll see what's going on and we'll figure it out. And then all of it came to light three years later, the pitch clock has been an idea for years now. I don't think that it's the craziest thing to assume that it might have been in response to a multitude of things. I think first and foremost is the pace of play. MLB wants younger fans. You are not getting younger fans. If the game is boring, if the game is dragged on, if baseball's a for, for attracting newer fans, um, and attracting younger fans, the rules are fairly, there's a lot to keep up with. So the longer the game drags on and the more confused you are, the less engaged you're going to be. So I don't doubt that that was the primary reason. And then you look at the after effects of all this stuff happening um, since 2017, probably before that too. Sign stealing has been a thing forever. It just never reached the point where it was um, this kind of uh, strategically utilized in an illegal fashion and now the speed, because it's faster, is go- is going to stop that from happening. And I do wonder if that was one of the reasons for implementing this as quickly as they possibly can. I know that um, 2023 isn't exactly uh, – they didn't exactly expedite it in that fashion because it's been going on for a while. But you got to do it at some point, and they probably thought in the wake after all this happening, we'll try to get it up as soon as we can, and we'll see how it works. But it's funny to think about now, and – I am I am laughing and laughing also sympathizing with that Astros writer because it does kind of make a little bit of sense. Yeah, non-zero. Uh, there, there's some stuff. I'm reading the Evan Drellick book right now that just came out on the, on the cheating scandal, and I hope to have a full book report for you uh, by Thursday. But it, it, this book definitely meanders. It, it starts off with Jeff Lunau in St. Louis and Jeff Lunau at a consulting firm. And it's, I'm still I'm 60 pages in and I'm still talking about the 2013 Astros. But there is some stuff in here that indicates that when Evan Drellick worked in Boston, he confronted the Astros a little bit. And Jim Crane and company 
uh, in the 2018 ALDS. And there was at least some standoffness of like, don't want to talk about that. Nope. No, thank you. Get out of here. Uh, so I would assume MLB knew something at that point. And then it, it had to wait a little bit while longer for the smoking gun. Uh, while we're here, <clears throat> we talking about, uh, talking about Jake Paul. What do you want to, I mean, you've got Matt Carpenter. Matt Carpenter looks sexy in this Padres uniform. Yeah, Matt Carpenter looks legit good. Uh, there was a really uncomfortable graphic that went up. I think Talking Baseball tweeted it. Or probably <laughs> Why? No, no. I mean, just like all the old Yankees in their new uniforms and like oh. everybody looked pretty good. It's like Benintendi looked great. Carpenter looked great. Uh, Roldis Chapman looked like shit. Apparently fell over and split his lip and not cra- uh, cracked a tooth mm. in half over the weekend. Uh, good for him. I wish the Yankees would have really tried for a, a bounce back by signing with a Roldis Chapman. What a shame. Uh, he had to go to Kansas City, but uh, they also included Marwin Gonzalez's introductory press conference in Japan as kind of a funky graphic. Uh, what, what happened to uh, the Paul brothers over the weekend? I kind of, I kind of missed. That. Well, Jake Paul said to bet the mortgage on his fight with Tommy Fury. I did it, bet the entire mortgage, and he lost in a split decision. Uh, but what was funny? Do you remember? Did you see that interview with him and Bomani Jones a couple weeks ago? <laughs> no, I think I'm, I, I think I have an auto mental filter block on Jake Paul. It's like a Brita. Yeah. That catches just Jake Paul heads. So I'm to think about that. <laughs> well, he appeared on Bomani Jones's show, the HBO show, or I don't know, it was something that he was doing. Regardless, it was a promotion thing for this fight with Tommy Fury, who's also not really a good boxer. I don't know if he's real um, for all the yeah, Tyson Fury relative, or he's just re- relative. yeah, he's related. I think in some capacity, I don't know the exact lineage, um, but. Portnoy was on Dave Portnoy was on the Rogan podcast and he was they got into an argument over whether Tommy Fury was a real boxer or not. Um, and Jake Paul has obviously been in boxing, but he hasn't actually been fighting the realest of boxers. And this was his first true test. So there's been all these arguments about, oh, is he going to take the next step or, oh, is this a real fight? Um, Tommy Fury supposedly like backed out of the first fight that they were supposed to have. I don't know. Um, either way. Jake Paul, in leading up to this fight, hadn't lost a fight, appeared on the Bomani Jones thing, and Bomani was like, hey, like, you've been talking about winning this thing, which is, like, great, but, like, have you planned on what happens if you potentially lose? And he's like, yeah, I'm not going to lose this. Only losers would ask that question. And then they, like, got into an argument on air, and he and Jake Paul was like, bro, I don't even know who the hell you are. Like, my PR team just told me to do this. Like, I don't need this right now. Um, and then turns out, lost the fight, and then last night on Instagram, posts a story where he was like fake crying about losing the fight. And then the caption was like, when you lose the fight and win 3 million. And then he looks at the camera and like starts smirk, smirking and like doing this. So I'm like, you went on this giant crusade about how you're not going to lose. Anybody asking you if you potentially might lose is a loser and doesn't deserve your time. And then you lose. And now it's fine because you won $30 million. So now I'm wondering, is Jake Paul a Red Sox fan? Because this is exactly how that fan base would react in a similar scenario where it's like, Oh, we're not going to lose X game or like, yeah, 2021 ALCS. We're not going to lose the series against the Astros and they lose. It's like, babe, we were supposed to lose anyway. Baseball doesn't even matter anymore. We weren't supposed to be there. Who cares? I'm not even a boxer. Who cares? (laughs) I don't even do this. Why would you expect me to do better? Uh, I actually, I did see the discourse around the Bomani Jones yeah I didn't see the interview did see people being like that's a mad disrespectful question now you've planted the idea of losing inside his head pre-fight which is exactly what you don't want to do to a fighter it's like the fighter doesn't know that he might lose a fight when like (laughs) that guy's a 
that guy's a fucking idiot. Like crazy person. It should not take Bomani Jones asking that question to plant the seed of doubt. If it did, then kudos because I don't want to see Jake Paul winning any fights, especially against uh, tangential Fury cousins because I'm a I'm a big fan of that family. Yeah, they're cool. I love uh, Tyson's great. I love when he sings after his matches. We need more of that. Singing uh, Bye Bye Miss American Pie. Great guy. Yeah, Tyson um, Fury, Tyson Beckford, all, all the good Tysons. Tyson yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I think uh, – what else do we have? What else is in the news? Any any regular news that would affect us? I think the, the Chapman thing is sadly funny. I mean, what was he doing where you're – a 34-year-old adult. I mean, look, accidents happen. I don't want to jinx myself now. Went to a no, mosh pit on yeah, Saturday and slipped on a beer can. Don't say it. <laughs> I went into a mosh pit on Saturday, slipped on a beer can, and cut my elbow. So I guess anything can happen. But in the comfort of your own home, I don't know. I don't want to jinx myself and split my lip. But whatever Chapman did, split his lip, chipped his tooth. His spring training's now delayed. Um, just good luck to the Royals, man. Um, I don't know why you thought it, this might have been a good idea. I don't know who you think you're going to sucker in at the trade deadline to take on Chapman um, in the remainder of his. Eh, it's, it'll probably be like two million or a little bit less than that. Um, but we always know it can get worse with the role of Chapman. And here we go. Right at the start of spring, you already have a weird situation that doesn't seem right. And it's affecting his. And like you, you wrote about it today. Like you said, he's got one of the slowest deliveries ever. He's got one of the slowest approaches ever. He's He needs to be on the mound as soon as possible to adapt to the pitch clock and everything that's going on. So if he's the longer he's delayed in spring, the the oh, man, they're, they're in for it for sure, the folks in Kansas City. Yeah, there is – Aroldis Chapman had the most pristine windup possible. Everything had to be absolutely perfect for the ball to actually reach home plate at the – like everything he yep. did, he was mechanically designed like a robot to get the ball to 106. Because if he didn't have the perfect leg kick and the perfect, like, it's it's tough. It's not easy. But if he didn't have it all working together, that ball is sailing to the backstop. And even if he did have it working together, that ball might sail into a dude's mouth. Uh, we've seen it. Uh, Mike Brasso almost uh, ruined, uh, you know, he basically did ruin our season because of Roldis Chapman fired a fastball past his head. Uh, so, <laughs> this guy, this guy. I had to get out of here. I had to get to San Diego. But yeah, Earl Chapman is seventh, has the seventh worst tempo in baseball last year. And pitch tempo and what the pitch clock measures are different. Uh, pitch clock is pitch to pitch. Uh, or no, mm-hmm. sorry. Tempo is pitch to pitch. Pitch clock is receiving the ball to delivering the ball. So they're different measures. But if you're slow at one, you're going to be slow at the other. And the Yankees don't get off scot free here either. Jonathan Loisaga was the literal worst. Pitch tempo in baseball last year, the slowest pitch to pitch. Uh, but Aroldis Chapman was seventh worst in baseball, and Aroldis Chapman not being in spring camp. Hey, uh, Thomas, uh, show of hands. Aroldis Chapman could be out for a little while. He, he cracked his tooth and he, he busted his lip, so he's not going to be able to get into game action. Do you think he's uh, diligently working on the pitch clock while at home? Maybe that was it. Yeah. Maybe he was rushing too much and he did a little trip and fall action, somersault right into the – Right into the uh, the edge of the wall. I don't we know. Said, we said everything has to be perfect for the ball to get delivered. We've never seen it happen, but it wouldn't shock me if one little thing went wrong in Chapman's motion and he just toppled on his own mouth, forward on the mound. Never seen it, but it could happen. Could. Well, so we didn't even go over the pitch clock rules just before we go. It's 30 seconds in between innings. 30 seconds in between innings. 20 seconds in between 
pitches with the bases empty with the bases empty 15 seconds in between pitches with with runners on and then the batter has eight seconds to get into the batter's box and show that he's ready to get to the pitcher so um, 30, seconds, can, 30 seconds between batters batter me. sorry um yeah. but you could see how the 15 second thing would be a serious issue for chapman very serious issue he would get the ball he would walk back to the mound you know, because every time his motion and momentum would take him off the dirt of the mound, he'd be on the grass, he'd get the ball back, he'd walk all the way back to the mound very slowly, get back ready, and then go through his whole his whole elaborate motion. And that is that fifteen seconds would oh my god, that he's he's not even close. Yeah. Even well close. The, the one thing with Chapman is it's fifteen seconds with the bases empty and twenty seconds once somebody gets on base. Oh sorry, he, that's it. Yeah. He he wouldn't have to worry about the bases empty for very long because he'd walk the first guy he faced. So <laughs> right up to twenty seconds. He'll get that little bonus time. <laughs> he probably he probably would walk guys just to get the bonus five seconds. That that asshole. <laughs> I'm I'm excited though. I'm excited. The world without Aroldis Chapman, the world without Zach Britton. Uh, you know, I missed healthy Chad Green, but the world without injured Chad Green. Maybe some Weissert action earlier this year. Maybe some Matt Crook. MLB yeah. determined him to be the uh, dark horse to make the Yankees roster, and and part of that is his talent, and part of that is he's on the forty man, and it's hard to pick a dark horse to make the Yankees roster. But he could. Will Warren came in yesterday uh, and helped mm-hmm. maintain. I think he gave up the only hit. And uh, Mike Petriello tweeted that he gave up a surprising amount of contact considering how nasty his pitches looked. Fair tweet, because we're all just here judging one spring training game because it's all we have. But still, I was like, oh, man, we're already starting with the, like, hmm, wasn't effective, wasn't as effective as it looked based on advanced stats. I was like, God damn it, it was 12 pitches. Uh, but that said, Will Warren, uh, the sweeper was in full effect. He looked nasty. And the Yankees are betting on Will Warren being Hayden Wesneski. Right. That's yeah. why they traded Hayden Wesneski. That's why they dumped Waldachuk and JP Sears for Frankie Montas, which I'll say about that. I didn't, I don't love Frankie Montas. I was cautiously optimistic and there was no reason to be because he was bad and injured the entire time. Uh, but they think they can constantly replenish that. They threw Drew Thorpe into a game yesterday and he was a dude, uh, a top pick last year who hit 89 90 in college and all the scouting reports were. The Yankees think they could squeeze more velo out of him, and he closed yesterday's game at 92-93 in the Toronto game. Uh, so, so far, almost every time they make a bet like that, like, oh, we're going to take X pitcher because they have this skill and we can maximize it, we can get another two miles an hour on that fastball, they've been right every time, basically. They, they, almost, they don't always produce MLB superstars on the mound, but they always – tick up people's velo and emphasize their best pitches and potentially spin them into assets and, and use them elsewhere or eventually call them up. And you only know JP Sears because of how good a job they did with him in 2021 and 2022 in the system. So uh, I think we can criticize the Yankees all, all we want for dropping Waldachuk off on damaged goods in Oakland. And I think that's still fair. Cause I think like we criticize the blue Jays for trading Moreno for, for Varsho, because you can use your catcher for other things. Criticize the Yankees for dropping Waldachuk off for an injured shoulderless pitcher with a bad road ERA. I think that's fair. But they traded him, and they were always going to trade him because they know that they can create more of him. And the rotation is currently filled. Um, what else? I mean, before we leave, uh, Nestor Cortez, shout out. He won the uh, team mini golf tournament at the end of last week. Oh, nice. Uh, that's a big win for him and seems to uh, insinuate that the hamstring is feeling just fine. Also, shout out to the Yankee social team for continuing to tweet these videos 
of the team answering questions on their way into camp. Really uh, concert do you want to go to? What's your favorite cereal? The best recurring bit so far, DJ LeMahieu does not answer these fucking questions, and they put him in all his videos, just walking up to the camera, yes. not saying anything or passing. Uh, so keep putting him in there. And Carlos Rodon is getting chirped by Wandy Peralta in all these videos, but he's not relenting. Wandy Peralta was trying to get him to say he wanted to go to some concert that obviously Wandy Peralta wanted to go to. He's trying to answer for Carlos Rodon. Rodon's like, no, I'm not doing that. Like, great. Uh, also, Michael King said he wants to go to his sister's concert. Cute, but uh, nice. going to need your real answer on that because you, you obviously have already been to see your sister in concert. I wonder if she's performed in a, at a concert. She in- does his walkout song. Yeah. She has to have a concert. I don't know where. Eh, yeah, I guess. I guess could have been a could have been a small scale thing. Um, yeah, I'm loving that though. That shows some creativity from the Yankees for actually doing that. Um, so uh, another another um, uh, deviation from the norm for them makes 2023 feel a little bit different. She um, has uh, she has 167 thousand followers on Instagram. On Instagram, holy shit! And her bio says, "Text me." Parentheses. Yes, it's really me with a crying cat face emoji and then a number. Do we start and get her on the podcast? Yes or yes? Yes. Uh, she only has fifteen hundred followers on Twitter. That's crazy. Ton of followers on Instagram. Wow. Just- okay. So then, yeah, she's had a concert. Sorry, Olivia. Anyway, that's it. Uh, I think that's it for the app. We'll text Olivia King. We'll get her on here. I was talking to Gray Fender's family uh, over the weekend too. They want to come on the podcast, so they should. Okay. Uh, waiting for him to start the minor league season. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to getting a glimpse of that dude. Uh, impressive numbers in the Orioles system. Why not? Come on the pod. Everybody who wants to is invited. Until next time, it'll be Thursday, 2 o'clock Eastern, like always. Uh, and the audio feed will be on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Some great guests coming up. And uh, Olivia King will be on the show at some point, I assume. Uh, but if not, we still got great stuff coming for you folks. Uh, and make sure to drop us those reviews. And if you've got a chance, if you've got a question, reach out on Twitter or in the mailbag in the comments. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Adam Weiner. I'm Thomas Carinante. Where can the folks find you? I'm at Tommy's underscore takes. We are at the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at Yanks Go Yard FS. Head on over to YanksGoYard.com. Uh, content's picking up. Got some spring stuff going on. Um, roster projections, uh, more fleshed out position battles, uh, some prospect stuff. Um, you never know who's going to emerge. You never know what's going to happen. We already have, uh, we're already looking at situations with Volpe, Dominguez, and Dunham that I don't think we would have been talking about after day one or day two on uh, any other previous year of spring training, which has usually been boring for this team. Um, so head on over there. We got our bylines, lots of stuff lined up for you to read, comment on them, reach out to us on social media. We want to keep the discourse going. And until then, Thursday is the next time you'll hear from us. Tune on in at 2 p.m. Eastern, Thursday. Thursday. See ya.